You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're in the fourth chapter of Erovin, and we're talking about people who've left the Shabbat limit, the Tchum, the 2,000 Amot, um, not of their own will. So classic example, they're kidnapped by Gentiles, or they have some kind of a psychological, maybe they have a mental breakdown and then they wander outside the, 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 the limit of 2,000 amot. And now, as we get into the middle of chapter 4, we're going to get into the middle of people who have, are also playing around on the edge of this, these boundaries, but not because of, not because they're forced to do something against their will, but just because they don't know what's going on. There's, if you like, there's a passive lack of intention rather than an active lack of intention. And we're going to explore these cases. But let's jump into the Mishnah and then we'll understand what's going on. It may, my explanation may not have been perfectly clear, but I think it will become clear as we're going on. So this is not someone who's being kidnapped. This is someone who's on a journey and he hasn't quite got to the town when Shabbat's coming in. And so he's going to sit on the edge of the road and make his Shabbat station there because he doesn't have anywhere else to go. Okay, let's go. Me, Misha, Misha Yashav Baderach, he sat down by the side of the road. Ve'amad, and then he stood up. He stands up and he, this is after Shabbat comes in. Ah. Remember, we learned when we learned the halachot about setting out the tchum, setting out the Shabbat station. The important thing that matters is where you put your air of when Shabbat comes in. So when Shabbat comes in, he intends to be outside the town. He sat down. Mishia He sat down outside the town. Then, after Shabbat comes in, he sees he's near a town. And Rabbi Meir says, He didn't intend to go into it. He didn't have an intention to spend Shabbat in that town. He can't go in. Obviously, if the town were within 2,000 Amot, um, which it seems to be, he can just about get to its limit. But for example, he can't walk around the whole of it because his 2,000 Amot aren't centred in the town. His 2,000 Amot are centred at a point right at the edge of town. And Rabbi Yudah is going to disagree. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Ikanes. Rabbi Yudah says he may enter it. Maybe Rabbi Yudah has got a presumption that if he had known he was going to be within the boundaries of town, he would have determined to make his Shabbat station there. Maybe that's his presumption. Amari Rabbi Yudah, Masehaya. Rabbi Yudah is going to prove this from an incident. Masehaya, Nichnas Rabbi Tarfon Kaven. Rabbi Tarfon once entered a town, even though this was not his intention. So when did he do this? Well, the Gemara actually gives the the Gemara gives a narrative, and it's worth going through this because the the Mishnah is completely incomprehensible unless you have the Gemara. In the, I mean, in, uh, unless you have the Gemara in this place. 
So let's have a quick look at the Gemara. Tanya, it was taught. Amar Rabbi Yudah, Maseb, Rabbi Tarfon, Shehayam Mahalech Baderech Vechashchalo. I mean, it's very, it's really nice. The Gemara explains in just a little bit more detail what's happened. This is the general case. It once happened that Rabbi Tarfon was walking along the way and night fell on him. So this is night fell on him on Erev Shabbat. Vilan Chutzlair, and he spent the night outside the town. This was pretty common in those times. There's lots of stories about people sleeping on the street outside town. Um, in the morning, uh, cow herds found him. And Amrulu, uh, they said to him, Rabbi, Master, the town is before you. Hikanes, enter. He entered, he sat in the study hall. This is an amazing story, right, about a visitor to your Beit Midrash. He just wanders in from outside town. He entered, he sat in the study hall, and he taught the entire day. And, I mean, it's a wonderful story. We, I, we, you know, I wish Rabbi Tarfon would walk into our shul and just <laughs> teach all day. And, but Rabbi Yudah is choosing to prove his halacha from an event, from a ma'aseh. And we've talked before, as we've gone through the Mishnayot of Shabbat, about the fact that there is tension at this point. This is the first generation after the destruction. And they're asking the question, well, where does halacha come from? How do we know we're learning the right halacha? And we're going to see in practice that there are basically three ways of demonstrating you've got the right halacha. One is we can learn it out from a drush. And we see some of that. The other way is to say, look, I heard it from my teacher. And we, we've seen some of that. And Rabbi Eliezer is particularly fond of that approach. But the third method, and I think this is, might be the first time we've seen the third method. The third method is to prove from a ma'ase. We prove it from an instant. I suppose that's similar to hearing from a teacher. So that's how the Mishnah, that's how Rabbi Yudah proves his point. I think the, the Halakha actually follows Rabbi Yudah in this case. What about, what about if he was completely unaware where he was, even that Shabbat was coming in? So now we're closer to the person with the mental breakdown. Someone, he's sleeping on the road and he doesn't even know that dark is coming in. Yeshlo, and here people seem to agree. Yeshlo, apaim amal choruach. He's got 2,000 cubits in any direction, according to the words of Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. And pra for practical purposes, actually, I think that halacha does go according to Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. For chachamim omrim, the sages say, He's only got four cubits. In other words, once he wakes up from his sleep, he can only move four cubits in either direction. It's pretty tight. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Vehu Be'en Rabbi Eliezer says he's in the middle. Let's remember that and come back to it. What does it mean he's in the middle? Rabbi Yudah Omer, uh, he can move any direction he likes. And Rabbi Yudah says, look, he can move in any direction. But he seems to agree once he's chosen a direction, he has to stick with that one, i.e. it's one choice, one choice. And 
let's 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 look at the diagram just to understand what is going on. The sages say, by the way, Gemara, the Gemara here attributes the words of the sages to Rabbi Meir. So the sages say he's got four amot l'chol ruach in each direction. Effectively, he's got an eight amot diameter circle. And Rabbi Eliezer says he's in the middle. He's in the middle. And Rabbi Eliezer means he's in the middle of his four amot. In other words, he's actually got a four amot circle, effectively two amot in each direction. He's really, he can barely, he can barely take a step, according to Rabbi Eliezer. Half the size of the space that the sages or Rabbi Meir give him. And Rabbi Yudah, remember Rabbi Yudah said he could move four amot in any direction. So look, the red spot I've given you on this diagram is the, is the person. Rabbi Yudah says, look, you could go four amot left or right or up or down. Effectively, you've got eight amot total diameter. Effectively, you've got it, but you can only choose once. That's essentially the words of Rabbi Yudah. He can go in any direction he desires, but he agrees that once he's chosen his direction, he may not go back on it. So Rabbi Yudah essentially allows him to choose one of those circles or any other circle like it, but um, one of those circles like it, but um, uh, only one of those, only one of those. Let's keep going and we'll, we'll deal with a slightly more close. We're going to run very quickly over a slightly more complicated example. Let's think about two people, some of whom, these are all people sitting on the road outside the town. So we're in the model. We're in, the, we're in this model. We're in this model, either four cubits or two cubits. We're in the model sitting outside town. But there's more than one of us. We're a group. Hayushnaim. There were two people. Some of you's cubits entered into the cubits of the other. And look, look, they could bring lunch. They could bring their dinner and eat in the middle. They could eat together. As long as they didn't carry anything out from one person's space into the others let's have a look let's have a look so actually i drew you three people here but look you can see one person sitting there and look there's a middle person sitting there and look there's some overlapping space so they can carry right into some sort of common area and they can have shabbat dinner together and you'll see by the way that the first person and the third person never overlap they both overlap in the middle but the first and the third never overlaps with each other. Let's pick that up in the Mishnah. So there were three. The, the middle one was swallowed up between them. He can eat with them and they can eat with him. But the two outer ones, the two outer ones are forbidden to each other, to one, one another, right? The two outer ones can't touch one another. And it's actually like, Rabbi Shimon says, it's like three courtyards. 
it's like three courtyards that open into each other. So imagine these as squares rather than circles. You could have three courtyards opening into each other. Amar Rabbi Shimon, Lamahatavar Domele Shloshachat Sirotap Tuchot Zo Lazo Uf Tuchot Lirushutarabim. Three courtyards, they open one into the other and separately they inter- open into a public domain. Ervushtehem Imhaim Sa'i. The two outer ones made an Eruv with the middle one. The two outer ones made an Eruv with the middle. He muterit Imahem, Vehem mutarot Ima. Uh, they're permitted to, um, the middle one's permitted with them, and they're permitted with it. The two outer ones are forbidden to one another. And there are discussions into the Gemara's as what, you know, what would happen if, well, anyway, the Gemara gets into this into more detail, but I think we're probably out of time. So I will stop here. And we'll pick up more of these examples on the next Mishnah. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.